What's up, Grace? What's up, Dad? What's up, man? <laughs> Dude, so many people are calling me that. That people are calling me Dad, and people are sending me fucking memes of New Balance shoes. That's <laughs> that's who I am now. <laughs> New Balance. Crazy. Dude, in the past few days, I've been fucking pissed on, puked on, and pooped on, like more than I ever wanted. Like, well, I guess nobody really ever wants that to ever happen, but. Just fucking crazy, dude. And you know what? My kids, they got fucking good aim. I tell you that much. They both pissed on me fucking the same night. A fucking direct hit. Well, so, I thought you just meant like a euphemism for Twitter, but damn. You no, 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 no. <laughs> no, my, my actual kids pissed on me. So that's that's, that's being fun. a dad pretty much. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, shit. But hey, everybody, welcome to Thug Crowd, episode number seven here. Talking about radio hacking and a bunch of other things mm. with all of our pals here. Um, so, I guess, um, introduce ourselves. I forgot to put our names down as we did before. As everybody, I guess, if you aren't seeing in alphabetical order, we're just going in alphabetical order. Hi, I'm not Pike. Nice to meet you. I'm Grace. Hey, it's Dan. This can come straight out of the future LA. I'm solid. I am you. Terry Davis. Oh, we are so great <laughs> tonight with this special guest, Terry Davis. Creative programmer. <clears throat> He's the best computer programmer. You wrote a Holy fuck, Terry Davis? Yeah, he wrote a compiler. He's in here. Yeah, I, I know who he fucking is, man. Fucking Temple OS. Yeah, Living in a van in Portland. Holy fucking shit, I can't believe it, guy. No fucking way. Oh, we got clout now. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, screw trying to get John McAfee. We'll just get, uh, you know, we're good now with Terry Davis. Um, oh, right on. <laughs> Uh, all right, dude. Is that legit him or is this an imposter? Like, how do I fucking know it's him? I don't know. Hold on, hold on. Teach us Holy See. I want to learn this. It'd be fun. I'll sing some hymns later. <laughs> yeah, the hymns come in the after hours podcast. Uh, <laughs> all right, all I'm right. excited. So, do you guys have the uh show notes? We can get started on our news section. So, the first uh amazing headline of the week is about the Golden State Killer and how he got his DNA correlated with another one of his relatives through one of those awesome DNA uh, parsing services, GED Match. Did you guys hear about this? Yeah, yeah actually, I do. Yeah. yeah, it was all over the news when the, the news when it came out. Yeah. Pretty I, bad I, times. I think it's pretty wild. I mean, like, just because I've always been really sketched out by like the 23andMe and all the other different services where you just give your DNA to, to people. Like, I, I used to be sketched out by when you were a kid, uh, or when I was a kid, they used to do this thing where you get, like, a free bike helmet if you give them, like, your fingerprints to the police. And I was like, I don't want to wear a helmet to begin with, and I also don't want to give my fingerprints to the cops. It just seemed like a weird thing, but now it's just like, uh, you know, here, give us uh, your actual DNA, we'll sequence it for you, and then just save it and you really can't do anything about it with our ridiculously long privacy policies 
I wonder how that works. Is there like an SDK where you can like play around with like some geo data or genetic data? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, this this specific one here was uh, an open source site, free open source one, just run by a small two man company in Florida. That um, you know they they're very small operation here, but somebody one of the um, the investigators had matched DNA from the original crime scene with genetic data that was already uploaded to GED Match. So basically, they were able to trace it back to the exact family member and then be able to arrest him for the crime. Now, that's pretty cool, but at the same time, it, the implications of it in the future are pretty scary as well. I think the solution here to kind of keep it, uh, you know, to be able to have this kind of DNA database to, to use it for good, but also to, you know, for, for medicine and whatnot and um, solve crimes and, and also keep people safe is to put a blockchain on it. So. Oh, definitely. Blockchain in the DNA stream. That would be amazing. Blockchain, containerized apps. You would have been saved. Block, blockchain, the human genome. <laughs> Wait, uh, it is already blockchain. What the hell are we saying? Yeah, it kind of is a blockchain of those pesky polypeptides. Yeah, okay. So the next one here is, do you guys hear about webstressor.org? Do you guys actually see webstressor.org being taken down? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's one of the uh, it's a really big DDoS site, and they were just taken offline um, by was it Dutch police or UK police? Basically, a bunch of different organizations just were able to take it all down because obviously, but it's just interesting because it, it's it's interesting to see. We, we talk about this a bunch where there's a bunch of uh, sketchy services and illegal things that just happen on the clear net, and this is just another example of them that was just there. Very slick website, and it's just gone now. So I have to use web screenshots to DDoS people? Great. <laughs> but yeah. Um, no, it's interesting, though. I'm glad that uh, some things are getting taken didn't they, so uh, that, didn't they take down a non-IB as well? Which one? Oh, yeah. That's a a non-IB. Oh, yeah. I forgot to put that in the topics list. Yes, a non-IB was taken down. Luckily, I'm here. Luckily, I was here to say that for you. <laughs> You are ever a resource. Um, but yeah, no, and I'll be down, which is, it's one of those, that's one of those sites that's just been up forever, that has just always been there. And people will try to do yeah. things about it, and it's just, I don't even know. I actually don't think I read too deep into that story, but um, I was glad when I heard that, though, because a lot of people have been fucked over by Anonyb. And there's just a lot of just great, like, child porn on there. It's not even, like, a matter of, like, uh, oh, it's, Free speech, revenge porn, whatever argument you might have against it, a lot of the people that are posted on there, or people asking for people on there, or like little kids, so pretty fucked. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, do you guys? So, uh, what? Just on the on the stressor website, uh, like, do you guys just totally glaze over when you see people start talking about stress like stressor websites and DDoS shit? Yes. Yes. It's a big like, no, who cares kind of deal here. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Like, what skills do you have, faggot? Who cares? I've used one of those before. <laughs> they do work. I mean, yeah, I've used... Uh, it's like, it's it's like the equivalent easy. of swatting on the internet. I, I've used uh, services to, to test, like, literal load, like, how many HTTP requests right. can I make a second? Like, legit services. 
And I think that's a very useful thing. But I mean, whenever someone refers to it as a stressor, I'm just like, you're a mad skid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much canon. Stressor. It's so funny because like people who talk about stresses and stuff, if you look at their bio, it almost always has Hami or some stupid shit like that. And usually like the background is like a picture from Watch Dogs or some shit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. Head there. Ethical hackers. Yep. Oh, sorry. Uh, I just realized that our our little pox sag is, is up now. So let's just see if it stays going. All right. Um, did you guys read about the SEC fining Yahoo for $35 million for failing to disclose a breach? Yeah. Does Yahoo have any money to make that payment <laughs> now? Like... I think it's broke, dude. How many times? Oh, dude, this is the fourth business. time. Oh. Yeah. Was... So, yeah, no, it was just a bunch of different, like, older incidents that they basically had just been getting screwed over for, because, I mean, I don't know why they haven't been... I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they've been so you had... for you have to uh, like disclose if you get hacked. Is that the FCC handles that now? Is that how it works? Yeah, if you d if like there's proof of PII, just uh, that was exfilled. Sure. Yeah, there's uh, also new things coming in here where uh, just basically basic mandatory breach. So any any breach that affects any customer data will um, require a disclosure. How it's going to be enforced, I have no idea, considering half the hacks that happen, you know, SQL injections from skids and whatever using SQL map aren't even, like, the companies don't even know that it happened, you know, so where does it, where you draw the line? That yep. kind of sounds like the reason they're, I, yeah, I don't know. I'd be speculating. I don't want to get sued by Yahoo, so never I, mind. <laughs> I have a pretty good idea. Uh, when your internal corporate unanimes end up on hack forums, you got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> You can buy the database on Darknet. Is it is it up? Uh, Twitter probably is, but I don't know whether Yahoo. I don't think Yahoo's ever made it up. Um, I'm pretty sure that I've seen new names from, literally of Yahoo, on not even on the Darknet. There was design. Z, oh, what what did we decide was the way not to call Zine. it design? Can't call it a zine. magazine. It's it's got to be zine. Yeah, it's got to be zine. It's a, so, uh, so it's a zine. zine. So there's a zine up uh, with Yahoo stuff. <laughs> the magazine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a fancy way of saying it. Uh, so hold, did you guys? Uh, what was the next one here? It was. So has anybody played with the Amazon Alexa skills, like uh, developing actual? Amazon Alexa applications. There's a couple of different um, SDKs and things for it, but there is a news article, I forget who shared it, I think it might have been New Solid, um, about uh, people basically teaching Amazon Alexas and developing apps for just straight spying purposes. Yeah, I, read, I heard that they like check to make sure that it's not listening too much, so you can't do that, but I think people are probably getting around it. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. It just, it's weird, because, I mean, you think about, you know, we, people talking about poisoning, like, Git repos and things like that, but, I mean, how, 
what is to stop anybody from developing some, you know, cool app for Alexa and then just putting that shit in there. I find one of the things with all these Google Home, like Google Home, Alexa, like whatever else, um, when sometimes I'll be having a conversation on the phone and I'll be in a totally different room and the thing will just start responding to me as if I've said the keywords. Yeah. Uh, it happened. It happened a whole lot more with the when I had a US version, but uh, it's a bit better with the accent and whatever. But um, the, the key thing is like, when does it start? If you develop a skill, like when does it start listening and when does it stop listening? Because if it's listening for like 10 minutes while I'm on the phone, and I'm having a phone, I'm having a phone call about an incident, right? Like I'm, I'm responding to an incident and I forget that stupid things listening. Where is that going? How long is, how much did they hear? Like, there's no way to tell. Oh, I mean, it has to. It has to always be listening. I have like, like, hey Google, yeah. hear that? So it like just yeah. turns on. So hey, I think Google. it's always listening. Are you on speakers or headphones? Yeah, I'm not. Oh shit, hold on. <laughs> hey Google, <laughs> email on my contacts too. Or Alexa, <laughs> Xbox on. I forgot about that command. Um, so yeah, uh, there was actually a disclosure that uh, a dude I used to work with uh, gave to Sony, where I think it was Sony or Blizzard, but it was specifically the the, the PS4 version of Overwatch, and you could say on Team Chat, um, PlayStation turn off, and everybody's PlayStations would turn uh, off. <laughs> right, dude. So you know what I just thought? People that are listening to this, like, what if they have these devices and they're listening on speakers? That's gonna be great. Somebody on Twitter said that when I, oh, I said Alexa order corn, um, when, when we were talking about it before, but their Alexa like actually reacted to it. I saw a thing hey, where Google, you, that's email, amazing. Email, oh, man. Hey Google, email all my contacts to contacts at stacksmash dot sh. Go send yes. I okay. Hey Google, open up meatspin.com. <laughs> there on we all go. screens. Well, there's no screen to show websites on. What the fuck just happened? Did Google say no? Yeah, it says there's no screen to show websites on. Fucking bullshit, Google. Hey Siri, <sighs> send an SMS to mom that says I'm gay. And I get the headset <laughs> on. Send, send. Okay, yes. Send. Yeah, I feel like there's just always going to be, there's going to be more and more of this kind of shit as time goes on. Um, but I wanted to get to this other story that I just, I remembered. Um, Solid, you, you shared this and we were talking about this a bit before, but the e-waste activist uh, who got 15 months in prison for selling uh, Windows Restore discs, ain't that a... <laughs> yeah, baffled by this. It it seems to be like a huge waste of taxpayer dollars, in my honest opinion. It wasn't Microsoft lawyers who were going after the individual. It was, uh, you know, attorney straight uh, working for Florida, I believe. And uh, what the fuck? Yeah, apparently, uh, you know, trying to save you know average consumers a little bit of money and you know preventing waste is uh, a crime now. He's getting like a twenty-five cents like profit on each CD. So what it was? It was it was a recovery CD. Yeah, he was like selling them uh, to repair shops because people were reformatting the or not reformatting the computer. They're just buying new ones. So he's like, here, use a repair disc. Wow. 
That's that, great. Yeah, that guy has like a Guinness World Record too for like the longest like electric car run or something. But he's not uh, some hobo. So I'm so confused. What was the basis of him just going to jail? Like, what did he do wrong? Selling Microsoft property. Like, he didn't have a license to do so. I uh, got gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I was just. I mean, what the hell did he do? Right. Everyone, I'm sure you've all, you've all been in a dumpster at some point. That's where I get my food. Yeah, but again, it, I don't it wasn't remember much of that. Yeah, never happened, man. Well, I'm Dude, I wrote, if you have trash, right, you got trash that's a PC, say you pull a hard disk out of a bin, someone's thrown that away, is it still their property? What's the contents of that disk? That's a, uh, you know, does Microsoft the belong? Transfers to you, right? That's what I argued for the restraining order with my girlfriend, but it didn't go so well. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, wow. Oh, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, if you throw the, the license in the bin and someone else picks it up, like, where's, I don't know how that works. Yeah, it's really tricky, especially because when, you know, you're using really older versions of things, especially when Microsoft's already giving out, like, universal keys for XP and other other editions of, of uh, Windows. Like, what, how, you, how can you still claim, you know, property over this stuff is, like, EOL'd? Especially if somebody's trying to use it to say like fix an, an, a legacy system, you know, it just seems like I don't know. It just seems like really petty. Again, uh, this wasn't Microsoft. It was it was the state of Florida. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they chose to go after him. Uh, it wasn't at Microsoft's behest, as far as I know. Ah, uh, okay. I wasn't. How did he even find him? Like, what were you searching for? Or did somebody report him? Like, somebody call him up? Like, hey, so I was at this computer shop. Yeah. And this fucking asshole tries to sell me the CD to fix my computer. What the hell? Like, how did they yeah, find some, out initially? Some disgruntled, some disgruntled customer. <laughs> I, uh, I bought probably, a, $5, a $5 CD-ROM secondhand, and uh, inside of it was an original Microsoft uh, Windows ME disk. And I think it's a crime that ME exists, but um, is it a crime that <laughs> I now have the original CD? Huge crimes. Um. Oh. Also on that topic, like I've been in the bin when the police came and the police came up to us and they, we were in a, in a bin pulling out servers and they said, what are you guys doing? We said, we're, it's just some trash. Um, and they looked and they said, oh, it looks pretty dangerous. Don't hurt yourself. So get out of the bin. And, um, you know, it was, it was out on the street. It wasn't trespassing or anything. And so they were just like, just move on. And, um, everything was fine, you know, so it's, it's kind of funny that they went after him for such a petty thing. It's really petty. What did he have to do to piss someone off just to even get to that point? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a pretty Illuminati. good question. Some Illuminati shit. He fucked with a coven. Um, you guys been following the thing about uh, Telegram and Russia? And just the shit show that's happening with them trying to block everything that can access any encrypted chats? Yeah, it's apparently getting much more difficult for people in Russia to evade the filter now. So it's looking like uh, Russia is winning this one. Oh, I saw an article about Signal getting in trouble with AWS because they're doing some sort of like TLS kind of spoofing shit and they get in trouble for that. Yeah, they're doing domain fronting. So kind of the process of actually having a domain name, but you kind of alter your packets. So it sends that domain, but it actually goes to its destination afterwards. Yeah, which is uh 
ridiculous for AWS to take essentially Russia's side. So fuck AWS, play your shit. Go to Google, go to Azure, go somewhere else. I think fuck I've Amazon. I think I've mentioned this before, but like AWS have an entirely separate region in China that you need to apply for. But, um, <laughs> you can get like an AWS in like uh, region access inside of China. And you can VPN out to your other AWS instances as well. So it's kind of, um, they're playing both, like they're playing every side, right? They're a business, they're a massive business. They got a lot of money and whatever. I think this is the first, like, what did the total count end up being? It was over a million, right? A million IPs. It was like 1.8 million, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. There was, there, there was a whole bunch of like slash 12s and shit. So that's, that's, that's a pretty big side of block. And there's yeah, so they, you know, so yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't just Telegram that got taken out or Signal or whoever they were going after. I forget, but it was it was a large fallout of customers. It was a kind of a shot across the bow of uh, Russia, and they did yeah. apparently. Yeah, it was Telegram, and then uh, the news story from today was uh, AWS going after a Signal. So it, it appear it appears that. Other private messaging services are also going to be a target of this kind of behavior. I think that you have to remember that, like these, like all of these private messages. I'm sure you guys have um, experienced using them, and this isn't. It's not for fear of, um, you know, the telco snooping my conversation with, you know, a friend or whatever like that. But sometimes I need to, you know, what if I need to send someone a password to a system in an emergency, you know, I mean, passwords are always bad, but if I need to send a password, like what if a root password has to get transferred? There's no crime there. Like that's, you know, that's totally legitimate secret information that shouldn't be, you know, that is, is hard to transfer without being, you know, in person and whatever. So. They're blocking more than, you know, they're, they're targeting criminals and they're using it as an excuse, but there's a billion legitimate reasons on why you should be using them. Absolutely. Um, sorry, I'm trying to set up uh, this, the pager thing real quick. Um, but the next two things that I want to talk about, though, was one, Facebook's dating feature. Um, and then the Facebook engineer who has been stalking women <laughs> on Facebook. So, what do you guys to say about uh, Facebook <laughs> trying to basically? Right, so, I read the, the headline that I see here is Facebook's um, dating feature sends shares in Match.com down because um, they they think it's their first uh, real meaningful competitor. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. It seems really weird, especially this kind of seems like bad timing after all of the. Um, really really granular um data that has been revealed to have been taken by facebook and it just seems kind of strange i don't know i mean i, I guess it would be cool if you could find somebody who's exactly likes the exact same kind of memes as you but at the same time it seems like really clinical and cold i think that's like the perfect time for them to advertise a dating service since they're really good at actually trying to figure us out and actually how to manipulate our minds i think we need to use that to our advantage for dating <laughs> yes but then there also comes the other side of this which is the oh yeah no it's creepy as hell i'm just gonna get some random matches i'm like dude like facebook stalking like for other people on my behalf what the hell 
it seems weird because like we have you know remember the um the there i mean there's been multiple cases of things like say like distinctly i remember the psychiatrist who was getting their patients in their people you may know because they were in proximity to each other now how weird would that be you know using facebook and somehow getting matches like your doctor or something or like your ex's doctor or you know yeah. your your teacher or something you know it, it just seems very strange to me because they have too big of they have too much information on everybody for that to be fun you can't lie look at internet phone books so how many of you guys as partners have met your partner on the internet me yeah. married my wife hey. on facebook I have not. I have. So I, it's I, not I've bad. Met girls, I've met girls through the internet, but I found that they were never really meaningful relationships. Like uh, I'm, I met my girlfriend in a bar at a twenty six hundred meter of all places. That's cool. And I just find that like I, I'm, you know, I was matched with my exes and stuff on dating websites. I was like, whoa, nah. I didn't. Uh... I didn't do a dating website. I did social networking and um, I don't know. The personalities were a really good fit. And when we ended up meeting, I was kind of like, okay, well, if I pull up to the airport and she has an Adam's apple, I'm just going to fucking drive off. Whatever. That's like the benefit <laughs> of it. Crazy. You never lived but, until you dated someone like that. How do you yeah, meet well, them on Facebook? You just like randomly add people and then just message them? Um, it was a group that I was in. It was a Facebook group. There's, uh, yeah, so there was this girl that I met through MySpace, and I met her at a club, um, and when I got there, she had, like, man hands, like, Fuck man that. Hand. and dude, yeah, awesome. no, like, leave I gotta, that, I gotta go, yeah, leave it out, <laughs> yeah, no, no offense to any, any of those sexy ladies out there with man hands, or someone's uh, gonna it's not me, you get her to hold, like, a glass of beer and see, like, how much of her hand gets around it, and it's like, all right, I'm out of here. Because you yeah. know, too, them hands are going to be rough as fuck. She probably, like, does construction on the weekends or some shit. All blistery <laughs> and shit. You don't yeah, want that. That ain't for me. Oh, man. The man fucking hand. devastating. Imagine seeing that coming at you, like, fucking jaws, those fucking things. <laughs> you know what? She was actually pretty good looking as well. It's just, I saw the man hands, and I was like, whoop, that's a bad sign. Have to make her wear gloves. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. They're interesting with the the whole Facebook engineer using that status to um, there is access to like actually stop women online. But I mean, we've heard about this with like that was NSA, OD and shit. But yeah, this shit's weird. That was, I think it's yeah, really that was bold. Creepy. It's bold it's move for time Facebook PR. Sorry, I'm trying to fix the script here. But yeah, did you guys see this thing too? Uh, undercover cops. I just saw this like right before um, we started. But undercover cops busted a large Lego crime ring in Portland. So apparently this guy had been stealing like the really big Lego sets from a grocery store, and they he had about fifty thousand dollars in of worth of Legos in his garage, and so he, four sets. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, it was just a giant, just the Millennium Wait. Falcon. Um, when you when you say the big Legos, are you talking about like those giant Legos that you can build forts with and shit? No, the big Lego sets themselves. Um, the, oh, yeah. Where you build like a big Death Star or something? It's embarrassing. Either way, either way, it's just totally embarrassing. <laughs> it's okay. not even. There's no purpose to it. You can't do anything with well, those. You can't even fucking build a fort. Why steal them? He sold them online. <laughs> That's yeah, but that's dumb. You're just wasting it. Like, dude, if you get a shitload of those really big fucking Legos, you can build a sick ass fort. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> or, or if you get fifty thousand dollars worth of tiny Legos, you can do the same thing. But apparently, I don't know. It just it just or maybe, it feels maybe like just don't play with the Legos as an adult. Well, yeah. how, how Wait, many, how many different the Legos? giant the, the giant ones don't count though because they're bigger. They're like for adults. You're oh, they're adult size. Yeah. <laughs> the ones uh, that are specifically uh, made for small children so they don't swallow them are adult ones, too? Well, you know, <laughs> adults can yeah. swallow them, too. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not in this household. What, what about 3D printing? Like, where does... Can, can you make pirate Lego sets? <laughs> oh, you built such a fucking uh, good foot. They I mean, would be so pissed off. One hour at a time. I have three Legos. Oh, this, this sick ass fucking circa nineteen eighties fucking uh, astronaut set's gonna be so cool, but it's gonna take five days to print. Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, so it, it happened with Warhammer. So you can buy like uh, knockoff Warhammer three D printed thingies. I'm not a Warhammer nerd, but like you know, people are. It's lucrative for some people. Oh no, Warhammer is big Warhammer. money. It's like printing magic to... cards. <laughs> printing oh Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I hate the internet. <laughs> but apparently this, though, wasn't the um, biggest bust about Legos. Um, apparently in Phoenix, Arizona, there was a crime ring that had boosted $200,000 worth of Lego sets, which is five Lego sets. So. Alright, in Phoenix's defense, there's not much to do outside. Yeah, there's so... not much grass. So. Legos and meth. <laughs> right, right. You smoke your meth, you play with your Legos. And that's, that's every day in Phoenix. Yeah, meth monkey. <laughs> I don't know if we have any listeners out there, but they're probably mad as fuck right now. <laughs> and for Phoenix, whatever. They can deal with it. They're staring at their bed full of Legos, the mattress on the floor, and they're like, fuck those guys. They cook up another fix. Um, so, the fail of the week, uh, I wanted to mention, because Lynx isn't here, and also, um, next week we wanted to do a thing on console hacking, so if you guys are around next week, want to chat with us about console and game hacking of all types, um, then come join us, but my fave thing, we were talking about DMZ, is the Nintendo Switch debug switch. Right, so uh, I'm not a super elite console hacker, um, as Links probably has more knowledge on this, but my understanding is that there was two pins that could be shorted um, that would put the device into its um, pre-boot bootloader, like debug repair mode. And uh, so the guys seem to have 3D printed uh, a little thing, built a little piece of steel that goes in there a little uh, to, to short it out and then on any console be able to access that, that pre-boot mode and then launch their own code from that 
So that should be, well, my understanding is it's any version of the Switch that's come out so far. Um, and it requires, it's any firmware, like doesn't matter. Just put the thing in and you get to boot. Bang. When can I put Cali on it? Well, right now, actually. So there is actually full, um, uh, so there's a, a full bug chain that you can use. Um, yeah, it's just being posted in the Twitch chat. Um, so Fail Overflow released a whole bunch of uh, toolkits to um, to do it. And the examples I've seen were running full LXDE desktops. The What wasn't working, my, uh, my understanding of that was the networking interfaces weren't working. Um, but if you look at the capability of the switch, you have uh, all the radio stuff, you have the, the Wi-Fi, you have HDMI out, a whole bunch of USB 3. Uh, so pretty... Yeah, like where does it, you know, is it, it's basically just a tablet with controllers now. Um, to be honest, I have a Switch because I want to play Nintendo, but that's just me. We're not going to hold that against you. That's all right. But I, I, mean, think, uh, I, I think it sounds gonna, like a fun project, though. It does, yeah, it's definitely, I think, because the amount of money that goes into protecting it um, is, is kind of where the challenge lies, right? So reverse engineering this um, expensive device, like so IoT-based stuff we talked about last week, these are just like off-the-shelf, really cheap things. You get them for 20 bucks, whatever. A Switch is like 500 plus or whatever, depending on what, what you get, if you get like the colored wow. controllers, all the things. You know, don't so break now it. you're talking about, yeah, you don't want to, well, yeah, you don't want to break it, but you don't want to have extra ones to sell. Uh, sorry, sorry, extra ones. You don't want to buy, ex they don't want, you don't want to buy extra ones that get broken. You don't like, you know, you don't want to, um, they've been made hard to break, obviously, because they don't want people to be running, uh, pirated software on them. They sell games like that's their business. So the, it's the next sort of level up from hacking, you know, the little IOT thing, sort of IOT is a bit of a game and consoles are a bit more of a, a challenge. And, uh, once the guy comes out. Yeah, then once the gods are out, you just get a whole bunch of idiots who sell mod chips for 15 bucks and whatever. Didn't it uh, ship with a vulnerable version of uh, WebKit? Yeah, so the actual WebKit... Um, yeah, the WebKit version that shipped was not accessible as a browser. But if you connected to a access point that required authentication through like a, you know, the uh, captive portal or a walled garden or whatever, it would open a... Um, open the, the web kit and then you could go ahead and put it that way. And so these are, these are hacks for lack of a better term that are kind of our broad spectrum in a skill set, right? Like you can be kind of beginner with this. It sounds like if you're just shorting, that's really easy. And, but you can also use this to do really, really advanced stuff. Um, so this sounds like a pretty good one. Yeah, you can be doing real research. Like when I say real research, like getting these binaries for this platform, reverse engineering them, finding bugs, looking for um, code paths that can you know allow you to get execution uh, remotely or locally or whatever. But um, nice, the OBS help is up on the screen. Um, but you, <laughs> you, there's are, are there any walkthroughs um, for it? That you've seen uh, any good ones? Not the, not good ones. Um, the 3DS has some pretty good ones. Um, in comparison, like the 3DS, it's like select your firmware. These are the ways to do it. Um, the DSI is like 
Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about the console hacking because we can leave it for when Lynx is around. But um, you, you buy like a dollar. Yeah, good. Good point. Like Sudoku and, you know. So it, it's, yeah, you can, there's a lot to read. GBA Temp, I guess, is the forum where most of the stuff goes down. Um, yeah. Cool. People get, get ready for next week. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll have some more information about some specific bugs in the chain that are uh, that are the interesting ones that you know were the real footholds. But as an overview, I think it's pretty much exhausted my knowledge of them. Hell yeah! All right, well that's it for this week's news. Unless anybody has anything else to bring up, crazed well, crazed Cole? Yeah, he's gone. Um, but yeah, do you guys want to get into talking about radio stuff? Ooh, radios. All right, yeah. Yeah. Currently, what just happened as I was, um, the OBS thing just came up. Um, so we have a stream going right now of um, some pager data. So trying to get this actually running into OBS. Oh, uh, and just for the FCC, if uh, this ever makes it to them, it's not US stuff. So fuck off. Yep, it's actually all it's just simulated archived pager data from 1999. Yeah, and with, with, with the pager, pager data, with the pager data that uh, is being displayed as well in regards to the ACMA in Australia, um, it's a, it's legal to actually sniff this off the air. It's illegal to take action on it. So anything you see using the pager data, you'll be breaking the law if you call a phone number, if you see an IP address, if you show up to um a, an emergency service or stuff because this is primarily fire trucks uh ambulance that kind of thing um and if you take any sort of action on that that is illegal do not do that um reading it is fun you can see a lot of what's going on around you awareness of, of locality um the, what's coming up now is actually aggregated relays so um they're really like they're relaying stuff from i think all over the country um you, you guys don't get server data or server alerts? That's primarily what I've noticed is on pager streams. Yeah, server alerts. There's IP addresses, internal addresses, internal host names, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I will just reiterate that I'm not actually capturing this with the radio. I'm getting it from a different public stream. Yeah, so, so yeah. we, I guess, I don't know, that's probably a good place to start talking about it. So, yeah, one of the first things that I ever listened to when I started getting into radio stuff, um, I bought a really old shortwave radio, and it was something around, like, what is it? Um, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, Pike, but it's, like, something around, like, 152 to 154 megahertz. We start hearing pager data, and it's actually, like, a really cool sound. Actually, let me see if I can cue some up. But it sounds like these really bizarre bursts of just sound and i was like enthralled by it i'd listen to it and i actually used some of it in like samples for making music and um yeah it was like i don't know i've always loved that but then i realized that what it actually was it was pager data from um there's a hospital nearby and some other things which were um actually broadcasting this stuff because pagers are, are used in hospitals and they're used in other sort of lower tech sort of things um, where they have just a lot of, um, what's it called? People who need to be connected to each other, and but they might not have 
you know, the latest and greatest things like iPhones. Like drug dealer pagers? Um, yeah, it would also be that too. Sure. So one thing that well, it's interesting. Sorry, Dan. Uh, I was just going to say one quick thing, just to keep the show on an upbeat pace, is uh, 9-11 pagers, I think, were made public. Yes, they were. Somewhere. Yeah, so I, th- I believe they're on crypto, although I don't know if we're nah, on that, but it's not encrypted. They're somewhere. Open, man. Uh, no, cryptone.org. Oh, crypto. Uh, <laughs> My bad. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're on there, but uh, they're probably in other places too. But yeah, I think everything from that day was pretty much archived. So kind of interesting to look at and stay really upbeat with. Like it's, it's happy, it's fun, it's a good read, light read. Thanks to so, that lighthearted uh, interlude. No. What's quite interesting yes. as well is um, the start, which of which is is not being broadcast, is the actual pager ID. So um, every pager has an ID, and and when it's all broadcast data, right? So it's being, like that's why you can read it. And the pages are like, oh, that's my ID. Display this on the you know beep. Um, but people think. The way that people use them now these days, which is funny because in the 90s it was a bit different, but the way people use them these days seems to be more like DMs in Twitter. They think they're like sending a DM to one another and stuff like that and nobody can read it and it's like a private thing and they have jokes about, you know, I've seen people joke about uh, co-workers and, and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it's, that is not how it works at all. So the mentality of the user <laughs> is in the future, but the technology is in the past. That's really yeah, Poxag is actually awesome. kind of a fun uh, algorithm. So the actual official name for when we're talking about like pagers and stuff like that uses a protocol called P-O-C-S-A-G, Poxag. That's usually how I'm saying it, probably saying it wrong. It's still actually being used. You know those like burger pagers you get when you actually go like to a restaurant or anything like that? It actually kind of uses the same protocols. And how they get away with it, they can, throw, they can actually transmit that information on the ISM bands. So the non-regulated... Uh, research uh, frequencies and they'll have to keep it under a certain power level but they still use them yeah so that's uh one of the things about the repeater towers as well is that the repeater towers are owned by telcos so they have licenses to um broadcast at a, a higher uh, power output why they travel so far so um, if the, you know the, if you need coverage for an ambulance that is two hours out of the city, that you're still going to get that paid. Uh, yeah, actually, um, I just found a recording that I made of um, the receiver that I actually had, and I'm going to play it real quick. But I'm gonna, hopefully, it's not too loud. So take a listen. <laughs> Play some craft work shit. It's good. Good old frequency shift king. Oh, it's awesome. I I thought it was like so cool, and that that that, and then being able to get uh, an RTL SDR and actually see what the data looks like is really cool too. Um, these guys, uh, I guess, want to talk about SDR a little bit, like what it is and what it's used for, and how to get started in it for anybody who doesn't know. So yeah. So software-defined radio, SDR for short, it's just pretty much, a, it's a scheme to pretty much actually get wireless information and then interpret it through a computer. So when people talk about software-defined computers, 
for CB software plan radio right now. Uh, what's going on is actually you have a peripheral that will actually take the uh, frequency information and actually will interpret it through a uh, analog to digital converter and then it'll actually convert it into voltage levels. And uh, the radio itself will go ahead and actually uh, pipe in a QIQ. Yeah, I just forgot the name of that. Pretty much, a, it's a byte stream that actually goes ahead and actually displays what a uh, sine wave would look like, and your computer will interpret it from there. It's uh, yeah, it's Wait, interesting. The, the types of SDRs. So, did you want to clarify that, Clark? No, go ahead. Oh, okay, so the types of SDRs that you can get as well, like for, I think they started around $8 on eBay, you can get a USB, uh, what's it, it's supposed to be a, t a DVB or a TV tuner, but uh, with, it the has actually really, yeah, the RTL SDR um, actually has a really wide range um, compared to even some of the more expensive SDRs, um, and you'll be able to uh, tune into the the Poxag, the, uh, the pages we were talking about before. You can hear all the narrowband FM stuff. You can listen to the radio. You can listen to the FM radio. Um, and as you scan through, like that sample that, that you played before, you'll start to find, as, you, as you're uh, navigating the frequency, um, that you'll find that, you know, you'll hear the same patterns over and over and over and again. And I guess, I guess that's the... How you start scanning, start looking for things. Aren't like most of those SDRs like they're using this, like some sort of TV chip, like a I forgot what it was, uh, like a tuner. It's a right, it's a real tech chip. It's a uh, it's the RTL SDR, and it's pretty much I think uh, Pike is there. Any, it's only two different models of the RTL I think. That he used? Yeah, there's there's different chipsets out there, definitely. I mean, you you can pretty much actually go and on the internet right now on Amazon, you can find different versions of RTL SDR. Since the design itself is pretty open, a lot of people actually already took it on themselves and developed their own. But there's different versions of the chip. Yeah, and I think I guess um, so. One of the things about the RTL SDR as well is that it is a receive only device, which means that. You, you really can't make a mistake um, and accidentally broadcast illegally or it, it's kind of hard to do something illegal with it unless you're actually taking action on what you're receiving like I spoke about earlier. Um, so it's a safe, cheap way, fun way to get into into radio stuff. There's a lot of crazy stuff on it too, right? Like, I mean, just off the top of my head, there's like trains, there's plane telemetry, there's... Like satellites. Yes, yeah, satellites. I haven't picked up those even. I'm sure that's pretty cool. Uh, there's like there's also, just insane amounts of stuff. There's also the outer net, I guess, which is was on L band and is moving to Ku band, which is out of the range of the other SDRs. But um, you can buy like a well, they're on sale soon. The Dreamcatchers, which is basically a Linux system on a chip with the SDR on board, and then you buy the antenna, you point it in the right direction, and you can join. A network called the Outernet, which isn't very high throughput, but um, it's a whole that sounds network. awesome. Yeah, I think more or less like the... just understand what we're talking about right now with software defined radio. We're literally describing the internet right now. Wireless technology is a genre in itself, and there's definitely a lot to it. So, it's just keep in mind there's always something to do with wireless stuff. 
It's interesting. Yeah. So, okay. I got to say, on my take of it, Pike, when you're describing it, like that's a, that's a good description, right? But just from my level of introduction to it, I kind of just see software defined radio as um, the CB radio that's just been unlocked to do whatever. And I know that's probably a vast oversimplification of it, but it's it's really like just taking taking any transceiver device, something that sends stuff back and forth, and opening it up to star and unlocking anything. So, um, Pike, what else can we talk about in regards to just random signals you can find, like ADSB? I think Dan mentioned earlier. Yep, ADSB. That's uh, I forgot the exact acronym, but that was pretty much a call for aircrafts to go ahead and actually broadcast their position and telemetry data. Nah, here I am thinking about satellites. Other uh, vector data, excuse me, and then actually it's just to help out with uh, air traffic control and other aircrafts to go like, oh hey, dude, there's planes in there. And this is kind of the fun part about all this stuff. A lot of these uh, frequencies and protocols that we're talking, or not frequencies, the protocols and also the a lot of this uh, stuff we're talking about, it's all unencrypted. So GPS uh, for civilian side, ABSB, um, pager information, a lot of emergency stuff, believe it or not, it's actually all unencrypted. Yeah, I think, uh, so ADSB is, so the aircraft stuff, that's on uh, 1090 megahertz, I believe. Um, yep, you're right, 1090. Yeah, 1090. And you, the, there's basically, uh, so when you have your RTL SDR, there's some Linux packages that you can install on a Raspberry Pi or on your desktop, whatever, doesn't matter. And so you can take it outside and um, you basically just run the RTL FM and you pipe it into uh, either Multimon, which is uh, some software that can decode different pager messages, or you can pipe it into ADSB. And you, you can get literally from plugging your device in, installing a few packages and knowing the frequency to watching aircraft near you fly around a Google map. Oh, it's even easier than that now. Uh, look up uh, 1090 dump, and literally it's just one command does it all for you. Yeah, oh, I was right, going to yeah, say, if for, for people that are listening, like it, you don't have to actually be a radio nerd or, or like a super great coder or anything for this stuff. You can you can be the script kitty equivalent of uh, of radios and don't be ashamed of it. Just fucking use stuff that's already made to explore and use that to to get inspired to start doing other stuff because all uh, a lot of this stuff um the easier stuff has already been done so you can just grab a uh, what's that uh thing that we hate or well that i hate uh, Pike. it's GNU radio but it's it's this this set of uh modules that you can download on the fly anyways it's really easy and all you do is just say yeah i want to listen to uh, I want to listen to airplanes that are over top of me today. Let's click this. And it's not extremely, extremely difficult. Yeah, one, one of the things I just shared in the uh, channel is there's, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen or maybe even attended, um, Defcon 21, the Melissa Elliott's uh, Exploring Unintentional Radio Emissions. It was like one of my favorite talks I've seen, where basically she went in, she had an RTL SDR, and was able to just um, pick up just a bunch of, weird stuff um a bunch of radio emissions because 
some things are intentionally broadcasting, but a lot of things aren't, and a lot of things people aren't aware of broadcasting, and you can see all those with a, an SDR. So she's in that one using SDR Sharp, which is something that I use on Windows, and it's a, it's a really good application. Um, you just plug your RTL in there, and you can just go see a nice waterfall of all the signals um, and just kind of poke around what's around you. And it's really cool. You can see things like people's, um, you know, key fobs in their cars going off, and you can listen in on like all sorts of broadcasts and everything, and and see even like the radio emissions from like your monitor, things like that. I don't want to get uh, too far off SDRs right now, but I I will mention that like capturing Bluetooth with like an uh, Ubertooth and a regular Bluetooth dongle is really difficult because it just pumps like there are so many devices around you like people's watches people's phones things in your house that you don't even know um just just pushing out a lot a lot of data that just go wow like what is this all and that's just one protocol you know that's just bluetooth so when it comes to sdr it just on on the spectrum there's just you'll just see spikes on your uh, on your graph and you'll be like well, what's this one what's that one and um I think, do we have a screenshot that we can put up you of uh, oh, like SDR Sharp or something? Yeah, I'll, uh, hold on. Yeah. Because, the, like, seriously, once you see how easy it is, like, especially just the tuner, right? Like, that tuner in the, the waterfall graph makes it so much easier to just under, like, instantly understand more about radio just by seeing it. It's kind of interesting. Until it starts doing weird stuff, like, like common examples of like weirdness that kind of happens. I mean, what's going on in the background is called digital signal processing. And it's the idea of pretty much actually taking small snippets of what the spectrum is doing at any given time. So think of it kind of like a film projector, you know, like would not damn would think about pretty much that one porn scene, pretty much at like every like frame randomly between when they actually transition out. Think of it kind of like that, where every photograph is actually your representation of what the spectrum is doing at the given time. And to make things complicated and not complicated at the same time, it gets piped through uh, the front for our FFT, fast uh, frontier transfer, if I'm remembering that acronym correctly. And what it's doing is just doing a little bit of complex math, a little bit of cross switching, and then you get a spectrum. Unfortunately, there's weird things with that algorithm uh, that I don't even fully understand. And it's a big topic, but it can do some weird stuff like doing like mirror images, you can get false signals. Whenever you actually start out, you'll actually notice that you get a center spike. Don't freak out about that. That's pretty normal. But just keep in mind, that if you play with it around, you're going to see some fun stuff. Yeah, so there's our screenshot Hello. up now. Um, and just a quick explanation. The top area is the is your frequency. So the where the, uh, the sort of white band across it, um, across the graph is there, you can see that's what's currently tuned. Um, and what you're currently listening to. And then you basically just drag that across and you know the red part is a higher signal. At the, the bottom part of the graph is the, uh, that's the latest um, information. And the bottom part of the graph is the oldest information in the bottom of the waterfall. It's very simple. So you can see when there's a spike, it'll go red and you can mouse it. You can, you can drag that bar across to that area and now you're listening to, to that protocol. Or you listen, sorry, you're listening to that frequency and then you can decode that protocol, assuming you know it. Um, you can drag the size of the uh, the width, uh, the, the, so the bandwidth that you're actually listening to as well. 
So let's see the the this the thinner uh, red lines. Obviously, um, a thinner you know there's less bandwidth, so you can really hone in on those and make sure you get less noise. There's an art to it, like to doing all that kind of stuff. Um, just the tuning, like just before you even get to decoding the signal, like just getting this down and listening to you know the FM radio, listening to ham radios, listening to AM, whatever uh, things that are really easy to understand. Practicing that, scanning through and finding it. Uh, it's fun in itself, and you don't need to be a master. Yeah, I just put up a animated GIF of this because it's actually pretty cool to see um, somebody had like actually marked what is um, happening. Um, so yeah, it just basically comes down like a waterfall. You can see, you know, zoom in, see data. You can see frequency hopping. You can see all that. It's actually like it's pretty mesmerizing to look at because you just see how complicated radio transmission actually is. Um, you know, and a lot of this technology, especially like, you know, um, frequency hopping and other just patterns and things have been around for, you know, 80 plus years. Um, and so it's, it's just really cool to see how it actually looks in practice. <laughs> I think um, maybe we should talk about the, the types of SDRs that are on the market at the moment. That's, that's probably a good Ooh. idea. I can actually give a review on a lot of these devices because I kind of have a really bad habit of buying too many stuff. <laughs> there's oh, never so... too much stuff. To oh, buy. there's definitely too much <laughs> stuff. So from the very bottom, if you're first starting out on uh, SDR, I definitely recommend checking out rtlsdr.coms. Uh, they have their own dongle and it actually comes with the Texco. <sighs> mispronouncing that. But what it is, it's a temperature controlled oscillator. And long story short, it, it's just more accurate. It, it can, you can actually tune it precisely to the frequency you want, and you can actually do a little more fun stuff, like go ahead and actually uh, listen to satellites without actually having it drift while it's actually tuning around. But you have your other uh, SDRs. I think, uh, oh, God, there was actually another one. It was about a $50 option. I'll come back to that, or someone can remind me. It was like the ham version. you guys know? Huh. No, I uh... don't know that. Ubertooth, wow. I know, was mentioned, uh, so might as well throw that out there. Yeah, those uh, those are just radio controllers. Uh, this thinking from software-defined radio, I mean, those are just kind of like your Wi-Fi dongles. Uh, Ubertooth one, Yardstick one, um, and pretty much a lot of those Zigbee controllers, and then also some of the wireless keyboard chips. Those are more or less just radios in themselves. And I can You're talking about bit. the uh, the proxy ham? Uh, Proxmark? Darn it. Proxy it's ham. not the Proxmark. <laughs> not the Proxmark. It's oh. RFID technology, but yeah. Oh, oh There's sorry. HackRF, Edis. Uh, HackRF, Edis. What else? HackRF is probably my favorite tool. That's the one I use the most. And they, really? also come with, they also come out with a Portapack. It's a small little handheld device. And just a quick little plug and shout out to FruitTech because you kind of spent the time to create a tool set for the uh, Portapack and for the HackRF. That pretty much just makes it into a walking radio device of anarchy. It's really fun. Yeah, I think um, so. With with the uh, the hack RF as well. So I was playing um, a little bit with GPS during the launch of Pokemon Go. Now I know there was a lot of bots that came out with uh, Pokemon Go, and um, they were getting banned pretty quickly. And I wasn't as much interested in the Pokemon Go as I was GPS. So I made myself a stupid little Faraday cage because you're not allowed to transmit on, uh, on GPS. Don't do that. That's very bad. Um, 
and and I was able to uh, so Michael Osman, the the magic man behind a lot of this SDR stuff, um, he he created uh, a script where you can replay. You, you download the satellite positioning data from uh, NASA from a public FTP. You run it through a script. You set up a vector that you want to walk, and you can play five minutes at a time um, through the HackRF. One of the problems I found was that the the T, uh, TXCO, so the the oscillator that we were talking about before, wasn't super accurate on the um, on, on the HackRF. So in the Git repository, no, there was uh, yeah, and in in the Git repository, there's actually um, Gerbers to create your own um, PCB that just clip straight in. So you, you populate it with like one cap and one oscillator and you download the schematic. I sent it away to a, a PCB manufacturing website. It cost me about 20 bucks and they sent me about 20 boards, maybe more, 25. So like I was giving them out at DEF CON just like, hey, do you, anyone who wants one, come and find me, they're yours. And people swap me for like stickers and stuff like that. Um, anyway, at the end, once I finally got that in, ran the script, and I cheated at Pokemon Go for a little while, and I didn't get banned. That was pretty cool. Um, but it gave you, a, it gives a good understanding of uh, GPS, because there's a lot of attacks that come from that. Some of the attacks that have been shown um, by using by replaying GPS data um, involve time, considering GPS is, GPS is used to sync time in a lot of scenarios. And uh, yeah. some of the more sophisticated cyber attacks, like cyber warfare attacks, were using time to manipulate, uh, using GPS to manipulate time, and then propagating over NTP and replaying like HTTP and TOTP tokens for a previous window. So the tokens being captured, you roll the time back, and you get to use the old one-time token. So GPS can be pretty interesting, interesting and it wasn't that hard to get well, I mean into. At one point, that was used to crash a ship, right? I mean, everybody kind of downplayed it in the media eventually. They're like, no, no, it couldn't have possibly been a spoofing attack. But let's be real, it probably was, right? So yeah. not probable, but did happen. Iran actually jacked one of the U.S.'s uh, drones by using uh, GPS spoofing. Oh, it was a Reaper drone, yeah, right? True. Was it a Reaper or a Predator? Not sure, but that's actually really impressive. I mean, if you're not familiar with GPS and actually the difference between the civilian and the military version, the military version is on two separate bands, um, or excuse me, two different frequencies. So civilian, it's uh, 1575, and it takes up about one gigahertz for the spectrum. However, the military, the encrypted version for 1575, the bandwidth that actually takes is about 12 megahertz. And there's also another uh, frequency that uses just to increase the accuracy and also reduce jamming uh, is also under 1200 megahertz as well. It's really interesting. But yeah, like I believe um, that it's a, like a, a pretty strong asymmetric key that they encrypt all that stuff with. So I wouldn't imagine no, it, it, it's, it's a small it's key. Symmetric. It's not asymmetric oh. because um, GPS data, when it transmits, your receiver is just taking that information and decoding it to find out where it is. The GPS doesn't actually transmit back up, so it has to be symmetric. So with um, getting onto symmetric encryption in, in GPS, I believe a lot of the old, I think I mentioned this last week, P25 using uh, TripDesk and uh, using rolling keys as the, as the mitigation to, to cracking TripDesk keys. 
So I like. I don't think it is. Actually, I may be wrong about the encryption, so I apologize. Don't listen to me. I'm a noob. Yeah, uh, symmetric encryption is. It's funny that you know something like say trip test we consider broken, but if you roll the key fast enough, no one's going to crack it. Well, it's, they're uh, yeah, they're doing funny. They're doing GPS 2.0 though, right? Like that's a new. They're they're do, redoing it, right? Like, uh, oh God! <laughs> it was it was on the news of all American, like yeah, American GPS system. They're actually going through like entire upgrade the, of their entire infrastructure. So GPS has been around for a long time. So, I mean, the technology is about from the 1940s, buildings when they were using uh, that information about time delays with signals for ships offshore. But those were known points. GPS makes it more complicated when you actually have a moving object in space with really complex math and atomic clocks just to make magic happen but it, yeah they're they're in the process of upgrading right now that's actually funny you bring up the, the atomic clock thing because uh we have to remember that the time for a satellite that the speed that time is occurring for a satellite is not equal to that on earth that's right and the crazy part is they're actually uh they're slowing down, i forgot slowing down or speeding up just so the relativity of pretty much the perceived time the satellite doesn't actually screw with the receivers at the bottom pretty that's good stuff i mean it's crazy the amount of uh the amount of thought and uh and just insane engineering that is behind every single thing that we take for granted like i mean we're sitting at a corner like bitching at our phone and there's this louis ck uh this but we, we just bitch at our cell phones because uh it didn't do something right and no, I mean, take a take a step back and realize actually what's happening in all of these transactions, including GPS. So crazy thing is, we can't really have the radio infrastructure that we have now without GPS data. So whenever you actually go see, like, go look at a cell phone tower, for example, you have BTS, Node E, whatever you want to actually call it for whatever technology. If you take a look on the outside, you'll start noticing that there is GPS or pretty much low noise amplifiers which is just a fancier, pretty just a technical term to say like, oh, that's a GPS antenna. They're using that information coming from the atomic clock to actually time uh, when your radio is actually gonna be transmitting at certain times. It's taking the data and actually tuning your oscillator so you can actually get accuracy down to more or less like pretty close to like one part per billion, which in layman's terms means it's accurate. It's not gonna drift okay. right too much. So that totally makes a lot of sense for a question that I've always kind of had in the back of my head. Um, long story short, my, my cousin did a cell site audits, which, um, by the way, cell sites are really insecure physically just by default. That aside, um, they, they always have GPS antennas on them and GPS uh, thingies. And I'm assuming it's for TDMA and other technologies like that. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Nope. GP, uh, the technology that I'm talking about is a GPS dedicated oscillator. So it takes the information timestamp that's coming from the satellites since they use atomic clocks because of precision involved. It takes that, references it, and then you can actually uh, pretty much time out or not time out, set the tempo for a radio. Right. But um, why, why do they have GPS uh, antennas and setups at cell sites then? Because they use that to tune the radios. Well, they also use the oh, GPS. Okay. To the time, when you actually get like your time from the network as well, like your phone, 
if you cross time zones, you get off the plane, you turn your phone on, changes the time. All those that that time is actually also synced. Yes. I gotta say, they fuck it up all the time in Phoenix, all the fucking time. They would. Uh, that's Phoenix for anybody that doesn't live there. Probably doesn't realize they don't have time zone changes, but yet uh, we would still get them pushed to our phones. Um, and it's really pretty annoying. AT&T, I think, was uh, largely at fault for that. But, yeah, just a little fun fact there. So, so uh, in, the ta- in the Twitch chat, um, Faith, who's uh, not around today, he did mention the uh, transmit only. I think we talked about this last week as well, the transmit only um, $5 VGA dongle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that... No, we didn't really get into it too uh, deep. We can probably anybody have time to play with it or get one. I haven't played with it, but I know I've read about it. Pretty much Osmocom, uh, the German gods of SDR, uh, figured out a lot of cool stuff. They actually uh, reverse engineered one of those converters uh, for what you can use for your TV and stuff like that, monitors. And they figured out that you can actually go ahead and actually make it transmit. So How let's, to do uh, that? let's just jump down into when we say make a transmit, like, how, like what are we exactly talking about? What does the... 18 watts. <laughs> Very <laughs> forecastables go. No, it, it, there's a lot of black <laughs> magic involved. So... Interesting. Whenever... Okay, so... Best way to describe this, radio waves is electromagnetic radiation. It's byproduct of electricity going through and what it is it kind of actually sets a i want to say frequency but i'm describing a thing with its own thing this is the fun of it but it will actually uh vibrate very quickly and then actually resonate so it actually creates electromagnetic information as in radio and you can actually they figured it out actually how to modulate that so it can actually create a uh, bts of all things cool so we've got this uh We've got this radiation, which is a wave, and uh, now we can. We've got this wave on a two D plane, for example. Let's just go easy. And um, how do we take this this two D analog wave and turn it into data? So let's quickly about demodulating and modulating. Pack that's you. <laughs> We're uh, a little distracted by ideas for upcoming stuff. <laughs> but uh, can you just kind of that again real quick? Yeah, one more time. Sorry, I got lost in the sauce there too. I'm sorry, man. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's okay. So... <laughs> okay. All right. So how radio waves do the thing, Ben? Oh, so, okay, so yeah, from 3D to 2D, how does it? Uh, how does that transform? Like, how can you describe how, that? How, how do we turn an an analog and, wave in, into? How do we modulate that into data into ones and zeros? Uh, the ones and zeros. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do that. So simple way to think of it, you know, Morse code, just simple on and off, on and off at a certain frequency. That's the original digital data. That's just ones and zeros in its purest form. 
Uh, other ways, there's a lot of different ways to actually send information. Like you have frequency shift keying, which is another binary method where you either have your center frequency and it either speeds up or slows down. And when you look at that in the spectrum analyzer, you kind of notice it actually will shift left or shift right or speed up or slow down. And that can be represented as ones and zeros. On-off keying, uh, it's amplitude shift modulation. It's the same thing as Morse code. And then you get into more complicated things like uh, phase shift keying, which is literally the, the sine wave that's representing the information is literally shifting a certain amount of degrees to represent ones and zeros. And the more fun ones like QAM, uh, that's actually how your Wi-Fi works, QAM64, you literally have 64 states of a sine wave and that can be interpreted as ones and zeros as well. Did that answer the question or did I lose anyone? That's a pretty oh, solid answer, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah, I definitely Thank think you. that uh, anyone who's looking to get into it now has a whole bunch of Wikipedia to read. There, there's, yeah, there's a lot of information. I mean, more or less, there radio's been a topic a lot longer than the internet. People have already kind of experimented and played with different ways to send information to point A to point B. There is a million and a half different ways to do it, a million and a half different modulation techniques, encoding, decoding, you name it. It is... It's all not standard. It's awesome. So well, so, what? So I was just gonna say, so now that we've we know there's a billion ways to so there's a billion ways to take this raw radio data through RSDR. Um, we've seen we've had a quick look at uh, SDR sharp. We have the GIF up on the screen now. Um, so let's quickly talk about GNU Radio and GNU Radio blocks and how you uh, how you load up a, a, a series, you know, in the in the flow and um, have it have have your result come out the other end. I think the best way to describe GNU Radio is you're literally taking the byte stream and you're taking the different blocks that can be the digital representation of a filter. Sampler, you can actually do amplification, multiplication, you can set it through different modulation techniques. Pretty much think of all your hardware components that you would have for a normal like physical radio, and it's being represented through a flow graph using GNU Radio. Right, yeah. And so the flow graph is pretty cool because I think it gives a lot of people who are not programmers um, an easy way to drag and drop in certain things that they know need to be there. You can read a paper um on something specific or there's actually you know there's a shitload of them on github in, in github so if you want to decode tv or you want to encode and, and transmit tv which you can do that's illegal um you know if you want to do no, something like that oh you, uh, you can do it legally as a ham on the frequency that your tv can tune to though in the united states can okay I, i'm not sure about australia so i won't comment i don't think you can yet but that's yeah, yeah you can, uh, are we just talking about legalities here? <laughs> there's a lot. Okay, so unfortunately, we're dealing with the radio community, which Break is the pretty law. straight-laced with the laws and FCC, and then also every other country's respected organization, three or five-letter word, or three or five-letter acronym organization that moderates what radio waves do. But as a ham technician, or if you keep it with an ISM band under a certain... Uh, level of power you're perfectly legal yeah i think that's oh, for almost that? every single uh frequency too right like you can no. even do it no. Uh, no. No. no there's some quasi legal laws i mean ism bands. Uh, you broke up there a little bit i think you said yes so i'm just gonna go with that. 
Bert, <laughs> get away with it. I mean, that's what a lot of people do. Yeah, I think one of the yes. things I found was in testing, I bought a set of attenuators that are uh, basically they dampen the signal um, is an easy way to think of it. And you screw them on in between your, your SDR and your antenna. And then that way, when you're working in your little home, like my Faraday cage is made out of like cardboard, foil, and glue stick. So like, uh, oh, and a shopping bag. So like you can, um, you can work in that kind of space and have a certain power output and pretty safe transmitting on whatever. Um, just make sure that you are careful. And if you are gonna do, so GPS or something like that, that is that people do give a shit about, um, you don't go ahead Honestly, and you know, check, check your local. A lot of it, yeah, a lot of it just really comes down to intent. Like if you're, if you're going to fuck stuff up, uh, in your, in your small lab, go for it. If you're going to fuck stuff up in your entire city, uh, be prepared for the consequences. Yeah. Like, like it's pretty, uh, pretty easy, right? Yeah, we spoke about that guy previously who drove around at the radio. He was on the aircraft signals, told the airplane to do something, and that goes, I think it was 15 years prison or something, just for transmitting. Uh, was that in the like, U.S.? Do that. Never do that. That is super bad. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, I've been really. He could have caused a plane crash. Like, you know, that's that's serious. So, um. That there's uh, certain FM uh, broadcasters that will leak over because uh if i am right i think planes uh communicate around the same band that fm radio does so be careful if you're a pirate uh i'm pirate fm be careful about leakage that can that can accidentally fuck stuff up on planes yeah just be as long as you're vigilant i think of what you're doing it's it's really easy to not fuck up but it is also you know as long as you're aware that you could fuck up um, but again, with the RTL SDRs, as we mentioned earlier, the receive only stuff, you can't transmit with those. So that's, that's pretty safe. Good place um, to start. And yeah. And again, those little, the, the SDRs we're talking about, the VGA stuff, the transmit power out of that, out of those is so low that, um, I'd be extremely surprised if your neighbor. So, um, now we've kind of gone over a lot of the different tools and the different techniques and everything. Um, do you guys have any projects or anything in particular that you think would be interesting to share with our audience about stuff you've actually practically done with radios? Because I feel like a lot of this is pretty abstract. I mean, people are saying, well, do I want to listen in on a satellite or do I want to listen in on like a train or, you know, whatever. Like, people don't really understand, I guess, what the problem you'd be solving is by using an SDR. So does anybody have any sort of examples of, I know, Pike, you have a project. I'm not sure if you want to talk about it, but... There's a couple different projects that we've used where y you might need to use an SDR to test out something that then you would use other, um, like a, other hardware to actually implement. And I think this is all, like, actually pretty much all the stuff that we're going to be talking about example-wise are things that we did in the middle of the ocean where it, it's pirate law, it's ocean law. Yeah, monkey knife. Um, in right, the United States, legal. Australia, okay. anywhere else. There's our legal disclaimer for you. We're not lawyers. Shut the fuck up and find one. Yep. Uh, I'm actually pretty sure it's uh, whatever your boat is from, you're still subject to their law. Look, 
Okay. Um, okay. What if you so, right. we're There's not a, a lot of <laughs> laws when it comes to radios. More or less, if it, if you ask yourself, is this legal? The answer is probably, yeah, it's illegal. Don't do it. More or less, even Faraday cages and also other ways to do it, like literally taking a wire or just taking a cable, putting some attenuation to it just to reduce like the amplage that's coming out so you don't fry the receiver. That's another good way to actually prevent people from being like angry with you. More importantly, don't fuck with aircrafts. Don't try to actually go out there and jam GPS, even though it's really easy to do. And just don't do it because you can cause a lot of fucking damage. I mean, literally we're talking about stuff that people really rely on. A damage for nothing. Like you're putting people's I, lives at risk in this category. This is the one thing that we kind of take seriously. Oh yeah. So I mean, I'm not going to talk about that. it, but you can, if you start like reading up on like ABSP of all things and understand the protocol, you can encode your own messages and stuff like that. And if you do a little bit of research on how, like, ah, what am I trying to say here? Pretty much like uh, flight control don't and stuff like do that. It. Yeah, don't do it. You can you can make an airplane <laughs> do barrels and all sorts of fun stuff. Don't don't do it. <laughs> oh, no. I think it's really. I think uh, jamming comes into the category that we spoke about earlier of stresses and DDoS as well. If you're just jamming, like you're basically just flooding a signal. You're putting out as much power as you can on a certain frequency so that nobody else can use it in the range. Like you're just uh, lowering the signal to noise ratio until it's, you know, the noise. I, I think it's really, there's probably some mathematical thing that you could apply to your output, uh, your, your power output that applies to the rate of you getting caught so if you're if you're in the milliwatt range you know you're you're probably all right but when you start getting to watts and and things like that you're probably going to get caught doing fuckery with radio stuff don't do it yeah just, don't, just do it. don't do it uh, don't do it when your wi-fi is running at a 1500 watts and you're cooking eggs <laughs> well i do oh, have man, a time for a reason the, the door broke i don't know what happened officer Okay. Yeah. So, well, that one actually probably would work, but anyways. <laughs> that's a, that's a so, good segue. Uh... So, what's up? What? You, that's probably a good segue into something you had on the list. Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, hold on. I just literally put a donut into my mouth. Um, so, yeah. I guess I'll get started on a little project. If I mean, I, I don't have anything that's uh, direct. I didn't put it on our list, per se, but... I mean, yeah, I guess my first time I'd actually use a, a SDR for something to actually solve a problem. Um, so, actually, I'll post the link um, in the chat here. So, basically, like, I, I, I had this toy when I was a kid. It was a Star Wars toy, and uh, you could use it to play, um, like, what's it called? Like, quotes from the character of the figurine that you have. And so I, I saw this at, like, a secondhand store. Um, and I, I, I picked it up and, you know, was looking at the, uh, there's an FCC ID on the back. And so if you guys don't actually don't know about FCC.io or FCCID.io, it's a great site for looking up, um, FCC tags that are going to be on the back of any device that is transmitting radio. So if you are anywhere and see like anything that might do any sort of emission, um, you can look up the FCC ID and you can in some cases get like the internal schematics um information about what frequencies they use and other really cool resources um but so it's actually probably a really good thing to 
to to step on you for one second. I'm sorry, no, but that FCC site that you're talking about, that FCC site rules. Okay. It gives you the licensing for any company that exists and does business in the U.S. So it's a uh, it's on FCC.gov, and it'll give you frequencies for companies that you would never imagine would have frequencies and uh, lots of fun stuff you can find around your house, just by address or by company name or by license ID. A lot of really cool stuff there. Um, so just putting that out there. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely awesome. No, I've, I've used it for so many different um, things. Just, I mean, sometimes I I might find a, a something that I don't know what it even is, but I'll see an FCC ID on the back of it that then I can look up and then find out what this you know uh, hardware actually is. So yeah, um, just quickly on this one here. So I took this uh, Star Wars Comtech reader apart, and you know I was trying to figure out how it actually worked and. Um, so I looked on the SEC site, I found that it was using um, the classic uh, NFC 13.56 um, megahertz frequencies. And so I did a bit more digging around, poking at the board and identify all the different parts on it, and was able to basically figure out that it was using like a, like a primitive version of NFC to actually transmit uh, an ID to this device that in some, um, probably like a mask ROM, um, had sample data about the, or it would like basically play the quotes from the characters. So it's like just a little like dongle or whatever. But just by looking at it, it was kind of confusing because there was also in the same patent, which was, it was cool because I could read the patent that was linked from the SEC site for the technology used in it. It described a way of actually transmitting very small files over um, NFC or over this, this, um, this radio technology here. So through that, I mean, I was able to basically just go through, do some really basic reverse engineering on this thing and figure out how it worked. But through that, then I was able to use my RTL SDR to then look at how, what was actually being transmitted. And you can, I was able to see, I didn't have anything in this write up here, but um, I have a couple of screenshots of being able to actually see the data that was being transmitted because you can see it when you are um, listening on those frequencies with a SDR. So if you're you know, trying to figure out what something is transmitting or how something is communicating with each other, if it's some sort of automagic thing that is through radio, you can use SDRs to actually identify and sometimes if you're lucky, uh, even decode that kind of data. So yeah, but I don't know if you guys have any other projects that are like that, because I know that a lot of us here have found mysterious things and used our radio skills to actually figure out what it is. So Amiibos, I haven't actually done this myself, but uh, Amiibos from Nintendo back to Nintendo. And again, I don't want to go too much into it until we do console hacking talks, but they are, are using uh, NFC technology. So um, it'll be interesting to look uh, when we do talk about it, if anyone has successfully been able to sort of brute force all the Amiibos, you know, because there's a lot of Amiibos that are released only in Japan for that sort of market. There's a lot of Amiibos that um, are limited edition runs, ones that came with specific games, things like that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if anyone has actually been gone through and, and brute forced sort of uh, all the IDs to, to unlock all the extra you get for buying these little figurines. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what an Amiibo is, it's a little figurine that has a little NFC thing in the bottom. Um, in the box, it has a piece of, uh, you know, a, a blocking device, a little piece of foil, I guess, in the bottom. 
of the box so you can't just read it straight out of the box. So they force you to buy them, touch them against your console, and get something special. Um, sorry, I'm sorry. Hold on. Blowing my mind here, man. Uh, it's a what? It's a figurine that they force you to touch against what? Okay, so it's a figurine. Of, like, say, Mar- let's say with Mario, right? It's called an Amiibo. Okay. And it's like a Mario. And say in Mario Kart, for example, you, you touch it against the NFC spot on the controller, and then you can, okay. you get you get to dress as Mario while you ride Mario Kart. <laughs> Sounds and like I'm going to be taking my Prox merch at the GameStop now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. There's also, uh, as well, this is similar. Prior to this, there was uh, Skylanders. So I don't know too much about Skylanders or the technology it exactly uses, but it is a radio technology where you, it's a, it was a Wii game and the Skylander, which is like your figurine of, like I guess, some kind of dragon thing, and you put that on the thing, and then that gives you, now you've unlocked that thing in that game. So that's this, this whole region but yeah I, I sort of want to save that for uh when we get it more into console hacking i, I don't know too much about it maybe someone else does that seems pretty deep that seems pretty sdr to me but either way um interesting so but just to be clear uh there is things at gamestop right now that you can bring your proxmark to and fuck with yeah so i've got about four of them that just came with games and like i got like a mario a yoshi a princess peach and uh a luigi i think and um yeah you just you just tap them against the controller and away you go you get to you get to be mine's dressed up as a proxmark antenna (laughs) i I actually use the princess peach one as a troll (laughs) oh god you just imagine us actually getting a database of all the values of these things and like you're Go ahead and actually cheat at Amiibos. You just buy a three hundred dollars Proxmark, and they'll save you money later. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> actually got the idea. totally happening. Yeah, we the, can get into so much trouble for that. Let's not do that. The idea that I got well, was actually I... the QR code thing they did prior to the NFC thing. Ooh, just stick a new QR sticker on it. That'd be kind of funny. Yes, yeah, as so long as something... it's not, you know, it, there's kids, so you got to make kid friendly. But it was a database of the QR codes, and you could. Just choose the one you want, scan it, and it's the same thing with uh, the game Animal Crossing, which um, I don't know, my girlfriend plays it, it's some 3DS game, and if you, you can download textures through QR codes, and they are loaded into the game, which is pretty interesting. Um, but uh, the new Tamagotchis are also NFC enabled, so yes. if you have two t- Tamagotchis, they can, they can talk to each other. I think Pikey posted that. No, actually, I didn't, but I didn't know that. That's actually kind of cool. It's opened up new opportunities. Yeah, there's a couple of talks. Some, somebody linked in IRC the other week, uh, this week, uh, a talk about the Tamagotchis. There's also an article in uh, Paul could Get the Fuck Out yeah. um, in the Bible. No, actually, I'll find that hole. And there's a couple of um, of good Tamagotchi talks that. Let me find that here. Uh... Dude, that's so funny. I got to figure. MG, uh, I, I don't know if you're talkable yet, but uh, we got to figure out like a totally inappropriate SE outfit for this uh, mission. Because uh, sounds funny. Yeah, so someone was just saying in the uh, Twitch chat as well that they'd been uh, hacking Furby Connect with SDR, which is very funny also. Which chat? 
that's oh probably the which chat the one we're Twitch entertaining chat. right now. I actually can't fucking load all those at once. My bandwidth sucks. That life. <laughs> Tour life. Yes. Uh, so um so with nfc while we're on now since when we're now talking about uh stuff we've mentioned proxmark so who wants to have a crack at what a proxmark is and what you can do with it ooh, ooh, i got one ooh, ooh, not yet, go all right okay uh proxmark is one of the most badass tools you can get you should totally get it it's worth the money it's a little expensive but it's worth it um, you can put it together or you can buy a completely uh, made fabricated device inside of a nice little plastic thingy and it goes towards them researching and developing more Proxmark like things. So that's my little plug for Proxmark, but Proxmark essentially lets you kind of uh, cheat in a way um, to get uh, exposure into RFID cards and proximity cards, anything. RFID related, I would say. Um, so an example is uh, at one of my last places that I lived at. You had a, uh, a key fob on your keychain, and it would actually unlock all the doors, um, all the gates, all the doors, everything. It was all prox proximity related to this key fob they gave you. Uh, it took the proxmark. The most time was hooking it up with wires uh, and making sure you didn't connect the wrong thing to the wrong place. Once you were up and running, you could clone it, uh, change the device ID, uh, enumerate, brute force, do anything you wanted. Um, the key anyway. fob itself, or to the uh, or to the readers. So you could you could use it and have the antenna emitting the same stuff that your uh, key fob would emit and uh, hold it up to a reader and go right through the gate and enter the pool. Now, one might ask, isn't it easier to just jump the gate? And uh, you're right, it is. But a lot of us are fat, so that money is well, well worth it. And it's also more fun. Uh, this applies well to uh, universities and colleges, by the way. Yeah, yes. lots of places. Bus passes, cell phones, credit cards, those as well. Yeah. I mean, in the Bay oh. Area, one might even think that there's stored ID card or stored value cards still in use uh, for things like the, I don't know, various things. I won't name specific ones, but they're trusting the value that's on the card that is in your pocket. Now, if you can clone that card at the value that it's at, and keep using it at that value. That might be a thing that in 2018 is still possible. Maybe not. I don't know. So there's also the case of uh, iClass, which is a specific type of um, of FC card. And there was a master key that was actually distributed uh, in all of the, the reader writers um, and across all cards. And the master key was leaked a few times. One time, I think, was at KiwiCon, maybe? And um, since then, uh, the, all new devices no longer contain that key, but there is still a way to pull it out. Like basically people opened up one of the readers, like, found the UART or tag or something, dumped it, found the key, uh, away they went. Um, however, but because it contains a master key, once you're outside of the closed system, when you want to reuse the actual key, uh, you want to reuse the, the proximity card, 
um, it, it is possible to actually not complete an entire handshake. So I've, I've seen cases where you, by using a proxmark, I was able to, because with the new ones, they're actually quite small. So I was able to palm it against uh, someone I knew who had access. So have it in my palm, um, sort of get a little bit too close to them and, and uh, they can run off a battery or they can run off attached to your PC and the button on it, which is between modes. I read the card and got the, the UID of uh, the card, just base base ID of that card. Now, all the, I found that all those cards lined up to a readable field in like a public field in LDAP. So now I knew everybody's, uh, what their card ID was. Now, the problem is that you still can't enter the front door because you can't clean the card, you don't have the secret, blah, blah, blah. But for other systems that were only checking that ID, I was easily able to change just the serial number of the card, walk up, beep, done, out we go. And yeah, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, there's there's definitely that sounds like one of the more secure systems I've heard about. Um, in places like uh, corporations and apartment complexes, stuff like that, things get a lot more simple, right? Like they start just counting from zero to two thousand, and amongst those 2000 values, you're gonna have admin cards or maintenance people cards, uh, people that run the apartment complex, they're gonna be in there and uh, certain areas close off at certain times of the night. And just, just kind of messing around with that idea is, I, I, in my opinion, it's a harmless fun idea um, to, to play with and uh, you're not, doing anything terribly malicious with it. What you do afterwards, if you if you do happen to gain access to something, is that's up to you. But yeah. just the idea of how it works is is what we're trying to get at. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you walk into, say, say you have a common area in a building and you go in there when it's supposed to close, it's probably not a big deal. But, for example, if you go up to the roof, um the building that doesn't you know that's not safe for you to be up there like you're supposed to you know, that's i guess that's that's where it, that's where it becomes trespassing because you like you, you don't have authorization there if you care about trespassing if you don't think you're gonna get caught that's totally up to you but uh thug crowd doesn't <laughs> i had to run back so I could hit uh, my mic key, but not Dan has definitely not gone to the roof of his building uh, constantly to hang out, and that has never happened. He can't fucking prove it. Yep. There's no pool. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, there. That I've confirmed that many times. No, you haven't. Uh, wait, no. Wait, what did I say? Wait, Angelina Jolie, you said there was a pool up there. What the hell? Yeah, it was her fault. She said to do it. Cool. So that's where I'm at. Solid. We've been talking about NFC. Um, I guess actually, so NFC um, is used with our payment cards these days with EMV. Um, have you guys looked at payment cards uh, with EMV at all? I actually, have not. I don't, I don't have anything that requires it, so no. <laughs> I have it's seen it like Android Pay and some of the other um, phone stuff or stuff that goes off your phone that uses NFC for payment, but not uh, any cards that do it. It's not as uh, 
I feel like it's not as common in America. I don't know. Yeah, I have some people said that I wish were on. I, I went to a subway in uh, DEFCON or whatever, and I was really drunk. And um, and I went to a subway or something, and I just paid. I just tapped, and the guy just looked at me like, what magic did you just <laughs> Well, it was, like, it was really weird. But over here, you pay everything is tap, 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 tap. So it's... Um... With a uh, phone? Uh, no, with my card. So I just tapped my card and beeped, and the guy was like, whoa, you didn't swipe, you didn't put your pin in, he just looked at me like, what What did you just do? Huh. That's funny since they have a so... payment system, or they have a POS that would actually accept it, but they've never seen that used. Yeah, that's exactly. Amazing. Like That's crazy. <laughs> like... Um, my, so my little understanding of uh, EMV as well is that um, when it comes to EMV and Proxmark, that's not really a thing. Um, just the way the handshakes work and things like um, the MyFair Classic cards, for example, which I think was the BART card, maybe, or Oyster card. One of those is uh, known to be broken. And so, like, anyone who's using those right now can look up a tutorial on how to look at your... Explore. How, how to, uh, explore. explore. Only explore. Only explore. <laughs> but uh, for example, uh, where I live, it's a MyFair Deskfire three, which is like one after one, uh, the, the one that's broken. Incidentally, um, just to get real for a minute, if you do explore your uh, Bart card here or uh, Clipper card, if you explore your Clipper card more than once, it's probably gonna flag your card. So make sure your fucking personal data isn't attached to it because you might actually end up triggering something that you don't want to trigger. So yeah. on live systems, it's probably not advisable to explore quite as much. Yeah, yeah. But we, What's uh... that solid? We definitely uh, condone exploring, but not uh, nothing. Nothing tied to you, of course. Like, be, be, be smart about it, right? Um, there's a... I, so I have seen people, uh, to your point, I, I've seen people mess MV, like, literally, I want to say last night. Uh, it was the first time I actually saw anybody do anything with it, uh, with iPhone slash... Uh, cards and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to get too much into it because I'm not sure how much they want me to talk about. But um, it was kind of interesting to see. Uh, and they were using Proxmark, so them Proxmarks, though, I believe yeah. it's a really good purchase. It's it's a solid starter purchase for sure. And <clears throat> I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, I haven't really played with mine too much lately, but whenever I do, I have a good time. That's that's all I can say. There's always something around the house that has something fun in it. So, did you guys see somebody earlier had asked about Zigbee? Um, I really don't know anything about Zigbee, and I remember we were trying to do a bunch of stuff with it before, but I wasn't sure if you're kind of buddy. Additional resources about? Oh, am I sorry? Um, I wasn't sure if anybody had any additional resources or things to say about Zigbee because it's one of those things that a lot of people don't know too much about, but it's used in a lot of different places. Yeah, Zigbee is a cool protocol. It's uh, kind of a mesh protocol that they actually designed for Internet of Things. So a lot of your smart home, low power, uh, needs to pretty much actually go ahead and actually uh, share roles. So like, for example, if you have a light bulb, you can actually mesh them together. So your transmitter or your coordinator, what they're called in the terminology, 
can actually relay messages for you. And it's kind of neat. There's already been a tool set released with it, and there's actually a lot of good information. So if you want to get into hacking of it, it's it's, it's tread ground. It's definitely fun. Yes. Yeah, Pike specifically, I think the one that you're talking about is the Phillips uh, light bulb, right? Now, dude, there's more than one. I don't have the Phillips one. I have the here. Let me pull it up. Senji oh, is LED. it broken too? It's on the same. Uh, it's on the same thing that got broken though. It's uh, the protocol itself is well, not necessarily broken. So it uses symmetric uh, encryptions for the payloads, and like yeah. you were doing before, is you can actually reverse or just dump the firmware and then actually use a pre-made tool that's already had released to actually parse through the data and go ahead and actually pull that symmetric key and then you just decrypt it from there. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. That's even that's hackier. I like that. That's neat. They actually just published the uh, the Phillips key. Uh, instead, I think for the Philips um, lights, but as long as you can somehow get it, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, like some of the other ones, you can actually just have to get to the firmware of the device. Like a lot of these light bulbs and like coordinators and stuff like that, they all use the same chip, more or less, to communicate cross and back and forth, and they're all stored in each device because that's kind of how it has to communicate. I find right. Funny though. That... So you you rate yourself a noob. But I, I want to say you're you're above noob. Yeah. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> you're pretty good. There's right? a lot to this. So it's, I'm, it's, it's I'm, stupid I'm, amounts of information going out when it comes to radios. And honestly, just like scratching the surface is like literally there's just too much to it. Just a barrage comes at you, yeah. So if you're if you're looking to just play around and start, I got to say the Philips Hue is probably the best documented. Maybe I could maybe I could say that. At least uh, it's the best document. It has a framework already for it to screw around with. By all means, try anything. I mean, I just I I sent just garbage packets at my light bulb, and it, it they were packets filled with swear words because I was really frustrated that I couldn't get it to work. <laughs> and it started it started swearing back at me. It was great. It just was broadcasting like "fuck you" to the world, which kind of it resonated. Yeah, the light bulb was swearing, and it was. Uh, I felt like that was an achievement in life, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I wasn't doing it properly. <laughs> Some interesting things about the the Phillips bridge, and um, I guess that's the, the coordinator, um, and the, and the way that it works between a lot of the other smart home devices, because you have like this bridge device, right? It's connecting out of your network, and it's hitting Phillips where your light bulbs are registered, and then you're telling your smart home to do something to the lights. So your smart home is hitting its provider. It's then hitting linked Philips account. It's hitting like then confirming data. There's a little bit of transaction. And then at the end, after like a one second lag time of going around the world, uh, it's turning, you know, the lights on or off in the same room as the smart home thing that I'm not going to say, cause I don't want it to go off again. Um, it's like the oh, analysis wait, of how many people person. turn on light bulb. Wait, what don't you want to say? Uh, Alexa, turn on light bulb? Google? <laughs> Google, turn on light bulb? Siri, send an SMS to mom saying, I'm gay. Yes, confirm. Okay, send. Um, Google no, I was actually really stupid when I first started getting into this. I did not realize you needed a receiver. Pike had to tell me that eventually. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm like, wait, how does 
how does this magic work? It's a light bulb, but what does it actually connect to? You'd be told that there was a fucking receiver and needed to buy. Um, so shame on me for not like that's kind of my style though. Like I'll just I'll just start digging on an idea and not really fully think it out. And uh, sometimes it gets me in a spot where I just have a light bulb that says "fuck you," and I don't have anything else usable. <laughs> Uh, I, I did know of a case of the, I believe it was Belkin, but I, again, I won't shit talk it until, because I don't really know, but I think it was Belkin. Let's just say it's Belkin. It's Belkin. Um, and uh, somebody was able to send enough Zigbee commands to it fast enough with the light bulb on the end of an extension cord outside in a safe environment and it caught fire. Um, <laughs> I got fired. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. That's the light bulb ever. Right. But, um, <laughs> Nirvana for the light bulb. There was responsible disclosure involved. There, it, it, it didn't affect. There was like the impact wasn't as high as it sounds. Um, but it's just funny. Oh, it sounds it pretty fire. high, man. <laughs> that impact level. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna put that at eleven. <laughs> it, it, it was. Uh, it was patched very quickly and very quietly, I believe. Um, but that's why I'm not sure. Wow. I'm not sure. So... And I don't want to. I don't want to say it's going to affect their stock price or something. But um, yeah. There's shit. It's Samsung. You know it is. Oh, I don't know. If we're was, talking about it, shit that blows up. It's yeah, it caught fire from uh, from Zigbee, like over Zigbee. So. Absolutely but, joking. Uh, a, firm, a firmware patch, a firmware patch resolved the issue. So make sure you update your lights. Holy like, shit! You know. Wait a minute. Is there a is there a fucking YouTube video of this thing catching fire from from the Zigbee frames? Uh, no, I, I heard about this privately, so I don't. Uh, I don't have oh, okay. details. It didn't happen. It's never happened. Can't yep. prove it. Uh, yeah, we got that dump button, so it's okay. Nobody heard it. <clears throat> you got your yes. stuff totally working. What uh, what interesting stuff did you find from it? I am still playing around with it. I got packets. That's it. On packets, on packets. Maybe we could end with that. I don't think that's copyrighted, right? No, I don't know. It's not pixel. No, it's not pixel. Yeah. It doesn't mind who uses it. So I'm still playing around with it because I are never reverse engineered hardware, and I'm still kind of learning. But however, I did actually pick up a ARM uh, JK decoder that was actually recommended by the manufacturer of the chip. Ooh, la di da. But what I'm trying to do is actually nice. get the uh, dump of it and try to figure out from there. That's awesome, man. So you're trying to actually still pull the key uh, at this point, then? Yeah. I, no one has actually played with these cheaper devices, and this thing's garbage. I mean, more or less, this is pretty shitty stuff. That's going to be oh, pretty interesting. so much cooler than what I'm doing. That's pretty interesting when you're going to cross over, like if you start talking, looking at baseband firmwares, and then you get that crossover between the IoT and the uh, the radio. Well, yeah, exactly, right? So, I mean, if you think about the protocols that we're talking about these are these are protocols that i believe are in the exact same spectrum as wireless and wi-fi so just to take a quick step back and and kind of re re-summarize this is zigbee we're talking about this is for for small mesh networks inside a house or inside of maybe a neighborhood maybe smart meters use it things like that i don't know i'm not familiar with that stuff at all depends but, on the company but yeah um yeah, it's uh, it's based on Wi-Fi. It's it's slightly tweaked. It's got its own set of rules, but it is still 
still floating through the sky, probably through your head right now. And it's called Zigbee. And it's uh, so, it's something you should totally mess with. There are some RTLSDR uh, software out there as well, speaking of smart, smart meters, to read your own smart meter. So if you, uh, if you have one of these $8 dongles, USB dongles, and you're in range of your smart meter, which I hope you are, um, you'll be able to, there's, it's on GitHub, um, I believe it's written in Go, and you can compile it in a few seconds and start dumping some data out of your, uh, that's being broadcast out of your, um, your particular type of smart meter. And then you can compare that against your electricity bill and say, you know, how much electricity am I using? How much electricity am I getting charged for? Is my electricity company ripping me off? They probably are. They always are. Um, <laughs> Be sure to bring it up to your in electricity company too. Like, call them the next month and be like, I was sniffing <laughs> your fucking protocols on the smart meter. And like, just really give it to them. They'll yeah. totally understand. They'll credit I, you. Lots of money. Don't do it. I'm joking. Like, you know, just give the whole, I read my own meter. Yeah. Yes. Even I, that alone, I, they love hearing that. Yeah, I read the meter. I looked at the meter, and like you charged me double. Like, what the hell, man? We'll send technicians out right now. <laughs> that's that's their typical response, and then your lights go out accidentally. So, do you guys like jukeboxes, right? Hey, yeah, I like jukeboxes. I love jukeboxes. They're like the best thing ever. You know, TouchTunes oh, jukebox yeah. uses a wireless remote. It's not infrared. It's wireless. Tell us more. That. Tell us more. Oh, I will tell you more there, NG, and not Dan. So <laughs> TouchTunes actually has a wireless remote that uses the uh, NEC protocol, which is similar to the, well, it actually is the Japanese uh, Infrared uh, remote protocol, and it transmits at 433.92, which is a really common ISM band that you can go ahead and actually pick up Arduino bits and actually create your own little transmitter to do nefarious things like tips on us. Sweet. I just found mine the other day. So, um, awesome. yes. speaking, speaking of random uh, random oh. devices, I actually <laughs> pulled apart a uh, LG um, TV One remote dongle tweak the receiver and i tweeted a photo of it apart where you can clearly see like a whole bunch of pads that are labeled txrx you know, three volt whatever ground and i tagged lg us in it and um <laughs> they responded to me and they were like how can we help you i'm like i think this is a thing where i can help you that's all right nice. touch tunes favorited my script that actually emulates jams decodes did they yeah, they actually yeah, figured my my tweet and like, here, check out this awesome script that I figured out. And it's just like, so, oh wow, Touchstones actually figured it. That's amazing. Nice. I think Thug Crowd and, and the like, we'll we'll all retweet it. But what's uh, your script? What's it called? What's it do? What's the hacks? The hacks, bro. You gotta get the codes. So I'll just go ahead and post it. But the script is called the Fonz, yeah, as in Fonzarella. And uh, you chose this why? Uh, because the Fonz is a badass. Why. And he hits, is the, he hits the jukebox and it makes it play the song. But this does a little more fun things like actually so, you emulate the remote. It's the same OG, concept, really. Uh, hacker, right? Like he just kicked that thing and it fucking worked. And your hey, script will just kick it. will work. That's great. Are you going to post it in the uh, chat there? 
Yep, I'm actually getting the script right now. And yeah. to be fair, this was actually my very first reverse that I've ever spent and actually sat down and like reverse engineered wireless protocol. I found something interesting, thought it was neat. Picked up the old Hacker F and actually used a, a Yardstick 1 to actually emulate the the radio part. But I used the, the Hacker F. You can use an RTL if you want just to actually sit down and decode the messages. Man, I want to get a Yardstick 1. Those sound uh, a lot of fun. Oh, they're definitely a good fun. I mean, or more or less, it's just a CC1111. I mean, that's just a Texas Instruments sub one gigahertz transceiver. But the cool part about the Yardstick one, it actually comes with a few more filters and then also amplifiers, so you can do some more fun things. Nice. Um, you know what's really interesting we haven't mentioned that actually goes back a long time is the, the Max Headroom uh, TV. Uh, oh, yeah. TV podcast. hack. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. And so Take us through that. that. Well, I can, I'm I'm not old enough. Um, oh come on! You know what happened though. It's legend. Well, right. So somebody in in the middle of a uh, in the middle of a regular broadcast, some dudes decided to uh, pull a prank and they broadcast over the top of uh, an existing station and scared the shit out of everyone. TLDR. And um, why like? Today, if you look at what it took for them to do that then, where they had to have the hardware, they had to know what the, all, this, all this radio stuff, right? It's really important to know in order to get it done. But I think if you look today, if you have like a USRP and a big enough antenna or even a Blade RF, even maybe even a Hacker RF, you, you can probably do it. Um, the blocks to actually broadcast digital TV are in GNU Radio. Like you can encode your video. Oh, really? You could yep. encode the original. You could encode that, that original video, and then you you could. Wow, you could totally do that. But <laughs> I'm not condoning that, and I'm not saying anyone should do that. But that would absolutely well, be hilarious. Let's just put it out there, though, for everybody that does have a for everybody that totally has a legal license to do this. Here are the steps to take in order to recreate it. Well, yes. and it's only for the people that have the license. But, you know, the thing is, there are some of them listening. So, I mean, um, I think we were discussing this. I wish Dakota was in here because me and him were talking about this a lot. Because um, you can actually broadcast um, TV off of an Arduino. Actually, I have an A-Tiny 85 that I have broadcasting or, or that can broadcast. Um, very short range, so not anything crazy, you know, maybe a couple of inches away. Um, but you can actually broadcast uh just by using some pulse width modulation on some pins on a tiny 85 so there's libraries for that but the thing is is that we're not using those analog signals anymore and in, in almost any country now um so you're really get hard pressed to be able to actually do broadcast interference like that because we're not you, your tvs aren't tuning in what I think that's what uh, Notpike and uh, and our guest were talking about, though, is there's actually now new radio uh, projects to do the new school shit on DTV. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was DTV or talking about... Because if you were trying to emulate what happened yeah. with Max Headroom, that would be yeah, an yeah. old um, analog television broadcast. Right. Yeah, like, which has been deprecated. Yeah, so all the, all the new DTV uh, stuff is currently in like on GitHub in GNU Radio, <laughs> and there's sample videos, and you can, it tells you how to use FFmpeg to encode your own, and uh, go ahead and do that. Um, but yeah, so for all licensed uh, operators, 
there will be step-by-step kind of instructions on how to do it only for licensed but you know if you were to to strongly amplify that max headroom thing on your licensed frequency that would be pretty funny that'd be pretty great i think so one thing i guess uh another quick thing we should mention as well because i think we're getting you we're getting to the end of this right yeah we can go a little over though um so uh you guys saw i'm not sure if we've talked about this on the show before maybe maybe not the mary had a little lamb um system bus radio have not what's that? i have not heard about this what's going on with this nope okay so system bus radio this this was on um like i saw it on netsec a while ago it's kind of old it's on github and they were using emissions from a motherboard uh I, I believe it was specifically a macbook air of the whatever the one was at the time was the example and it would um by simply using the components uh in the in the mac they were able to have the machine um em, like emit and mary had a little lamb and to it on i think it was am i'm not sure um you'd have to look it up but it's on github it's called uh system bus radio and like in the in the way of like data exfiltration like if you're able to get a payload onto a remote machine like onto an air gapped machine like usb drops say example whatever rubber duckies all that kind of crap if you were going to do some sort of uh if, if you got your code into a system and you got it to to um actually run then you could you could be outside <laughs> you know through a wall or whatever through a couple of walls with with an eight dollar sdr and have that data exfiltrated through that network so that is uh some pretty crazy shit right there yep yeah uh, talking about old school spycraft tempest old ways to pretty much actually get data or at least actually do traffic analysis to figure out what's going on and this is old school stuff this is even before internet yeah Yeah, i think i think the uh the exotic uh we'll call them ways of exfil that aren't in a typical kill chain uh fascinate the fuck out of me i love it that i thrive on that stuff Never your so one thing we didn't talk about i'm sorry i'm sorry i said a buzzword <laughs> kill chain. Kill chain. well that's why no, it's not a kill chain. so one thing we didn't talk about cell phone base stations Ooh. right yeah yeah well so, so here's here's what i was thinking sdr man we need to we need to definitely have a version two and three of this because this is a big topic this is everything in the world right everything is radio related um do we want to dive into cell phones for a little bit though i can do a little quickie so there's a few open source projects open bts osmo uh, bts that's another one open lte and i think it was like osmo lte i may be actually saying that wrong but there's a bunch of open source projects um, that were actually created by companies to, def- to actually develop software for their radios that they can use. And essentially what they're trying to do is actually doing these cheap software-defined uh, base stations or nodes or whatever you want actually technology we're talking about here. But the idea is they can actually make a cheap cell phone base station using uh, voice over IP for third world countries. Yeah, and uh, yeah. during DEFCON... And three years ago, maybe it was two years. Maybe, I don't know. Recently, I think forty base stations showed up on the strip during DefCon and disappeared up. <laughs> uh, one of them was not mine. Um, so super easy to do. I can get you started for a little less than a thousand dollars, and we can create a base station. Yeah. Uh, actually, that's a good. 
question. Just keep plugging that is go to DEFCON this year. Um, a lot of us, I think, might go this year around that yeah. haven't gone before or won't be going again. So go, try and go this year. This might be a fun year. This is my first time. Hey, we got a question on Twitter, though. Yeah. Um, so we got from uh, Varg08. They said, I was given a yardstick one at DEF CON a few years ago, and I haven't used it yet. What would be good to do to get started with it? Yardstick one. I forget what that is. Yardstick one? Run my script. It? <laughs> so go find a touch tunes and go hack it. I literally created that script using a yardstick one. You just run it, and it'll work. It's beautiful. I promise. You heard it first. <laughs> so the yardstick nice. one is not a... exclusive. Don't worry, I script the shit out of that script, so it should be really user friendly. So the yardstick one is a uh, transceiver, uh, half flex, right? Yep, I don't recall. That one gigahertz. It. it uses the CC eleven eleven. There's a guy who's literally trying to reverse engineer uh, the same thing we were talking about earlier with actually your smart uh, power meters. And what he used was he kind of created a uh, Python library that uses the yardstick one called RFCAT. And you can actually kind of create your own oh. scripts and then actually control the radio via Python. Yeah, there, uh, about 2009, 2010, there's a lot of, a lot of hardware that was coming out and a lot of scripts coming out. Um, and a lot of it just kind of went to the wayside, uh, as was one of my pieces of hardware. And uh, not Pike, thank you very much. I'm staring right now at a piece of fun equipment that uh, may bring some lulls for your next show. Are you talking about? Uh, I'm not gonna ruin it. Yep. <laughs> nah, that's Zigbee stuff. Oh yeah, that, that's right. You did get the the free donation from uh, the company who sent me to you by any chance. Yes, that ruled. Hey, look, you also got an antenna that runs with it, too, and also has boobs. It's oh, boob. fucking great. And the way you packaged it is fucking fun. Oh, no, that's actually that actually came from the company. So just thank them for everything. Don't thank me. That's actually... Yeah, uh, well, I'm making we haven't actually talked about it all, is we haven't talked about antennas, types of antennas, or <laughs> how to... Uh, we we like so we've talked all about SDRs and scripts and and software and 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 shit like that where they're used, but we haven't mentioned the word antenna. I don't think until now. So, uh, I'm going to put it out there. The reason I haven't mentioned it is because I once tried to make a Wi-Fi antenna with instructions on the internet, and it literally the signal gain uh, for the Wi-Fi access point we pointed at would get stronger if we pointed the antenna away from it. So I think uh, we really fucked that up. It's incredibly easy to do it wrong. Is uh, gonna be my my advice. Not Pike's gonna have some good info. There. <laughs> I made an antenna. It's one. just math. Just math. Yeah, that's why I was bad at it. That's why I was so, really bad at it. <laughs> I think the easier way to do that. You know the American motto: "Bigger is better." Just remember that your antenna size is related to the frequency in hand. So lower frequencies, bigger wavelength, bigger antenna. Higher frequencies, Wi-Fi, for example, shorter wavelengths, smaller antennas. That's all you got to remember. So if your hands are big, <laughs> if we're listening to <laughs> FM on the in the car radio, you need big antenna. If we have drone that's transmitting at 5.8 gigahertz, no, 5.65. Ah, I forget. 5.8 gigahertz, you need small antenna. 
Right, because the because the width. Sorry, I'm trying to laugh. Okay. <laughs> the uh, the width of the <laughs> wave wave. from the wax to the wane, right? Uh, or what wane. is it? What are we calculating? So we're calculating. The, uh, it really depends on the radio, but we'll just say, for example, a quarter wavelength. So do some math here. It's pretty much the speed of light divided by the megahertz, and you can pretty much get your length of the perceived black magic sine wave in meters. So for example, 300 megahertz so, divided by 300, which is million light million meters per second, is about one meter, for example. Interesting. So uh, by the way, this is for the people that aren't following along, which is, I'm going to assume there might be some. Uh, this is one of the reasons that you can like hit the or release the brake on your car with FM radio. Nobody listens to FM radio anymore. Look at how old I am. But fucking, if you do, if you release the brake on your car a little bit and you're getting bad reception, and you move the car forward a little bit, you'll start getting good reception. It's because you're you're tuning within the amount of of distance for FM radio. It's pretty big, pretty big wide band if i recall so you're talking so, uh, about is ah oh shit i just forgot the name of it but ah damn it it's pretty much it's how it radar shift. it's something shift. it's doppler shift doppler right shifting, yep. that actually Yo. reminds me of uh so i'm on a train one time i'm traveling at the speed a train goes pretty quick and it's a big steel can and there's a lady on the phone who's got bad mobile like bad cell reception and she's walking up and down a moving carriage saying, is it better now? Oh, it's funny. Yeah, so, well, she <laughs> inadvertently was using Doppler shift to her advantage. And we probably all do it uh, every day when we're, we're getting bad cell reception. And we, we walk to the different side of the room. You are using Doppler shift to make your cell reception better. The, the difference was we were traveling at like 100 kilometers on a train. Yeah, I probably uh, wasn't Doppler shift there. It was probably just <laughs> her, her, her. <laughs> it's probably a placebo effect there. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> hey, so we're kind of getting kind of late here, but I'm thinking that we definitely should do maybe another episode on this because we have a lot of people here who have a lot to say. We also have people here that we know that do projects on this, maybe able to share some insights on actually doing radio projects beyond just setting up and running a script. Um, so I definitely think that we should revisit this subject in the near future. And if anybody does want to uh, contribute or come on or know anybody who would want to come and talk to us, that'd be awesome too, because we're always about doing crazy projects. I'd say Jack in the chat has been uh, pretty helpful with a lot of the a lot of the URLs that he puts on. So Jack, uh, you should join us next time. Yeah, definitely. Fun. Also, um, car fobs and SDR, I have um, played with those, um, and didn't do anything illegal. But I was just reading, or I think it was like 433 megahertz. And just you can see the little pulses that happen when you press unlock and lock on your car. Uh, it's cool, but you can also use them for those uh, handy replay attacks. Um, but yeah, so finishing up real quick though, I just wanted to mention that we have a zine that LOL Cow is working on that is going to be people from here and people who contribute to us with Discord and IRC. So if anybody in here wants to write and is, you know, a listener, um, we'd love to have people writing about anything that they want to. We have 
a really wide range of topics here and a lot of stuff that we can't always just deep dive into because um, you're on that time like we did today. Um, so if anybody is interested, you can hit us up. I'll, uh, I guess I can post a, a Discord link in the air real quick. I guess I'll do a temporary one. Um, hold on one second. But yeah, um, and then the other thing is on Thursday, we're going to be talking, um, it's going to be at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, talking with uh, the Mini Hats Club and uh, Cybersex Stew about, um, what's it called? It was the, the subject is OPSEC fails and OSINT wins. So basically, we're going to just go through the gamut of a bunch of different things that we've seen or contributed in or contributed to or, or been a part of and just talk about the different ways that OPSEC can fail and the different ways that open source intelligence can actually make things awesome. So yeah, that's my little plug. You. Uh, real quick for the uh, for the Mini Hats Club, is that this coming Thursday, two days from now, um, or is yeah. that next week? Yes, uh, that's um, two days from now. Okay, so the third, so uh, May third. Yes, May third. Mini Hats Club. That's going to be super exciting. That's going to be cool. Those guys are awesome, and uh, and I think that OPSEC is a huge, huge topic again, just like SDR. That is going to be one of our reoccurring themes but we'll get it kicked off right right yes we will um hold on my name is not dan so that's our i just posted our discord in there you guys are um, kicked. if anybody is interested they can totally come in and um talk with us about our various projects um link up with some people talking here if you want to write totally can too um but yeah that's pretty much uh, i guess it for today because it's getting kind of late so Anybody have any last words? Don't be I have last words. Uh, shut the fuck up. Get a lawyer. That's my thing. Snitches uh, get stitches. Last words on SDR. Find a cool wireless project. Read about it. Learn about the protocol. And uh, good resources to learn. RTLSDR.com. And also Osmocom is a good resource. And also Mike... Uh, excuse me. The creator of HackerF. Check out his website. He has a video tutorial about all about DSP and actually transmitting with SDR. Uh, build yourself a quick Faraday cage out of a cardboard box and some foil and a glue stick. It's really easy. Look up how to do it online, and you will save yourself from possibly having to shut the fuck up and get a lawyer. <laughs> Even actually better, use your microwave. Or, or you could live in it. You could live in it, too. It's good for... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> That if you break great... the law, don't do it twice. That's how they catch you. <laughs> that was a great, uh, actually, the microwave thing. is like, when you told me that, not Pike, before, I was like, like mind blown. Because I had a, um, a phone that wouldn't stop ringing. So we just threw the microwave and it stopped. <laughs> so, you didn't turn on, did you? Uh, no, no, no. But if you want to go, yeah, fuck airplane mode. Microwave mode is the real way to stay safe. So yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys, everybody, for joining us and listening. And we'll be back by. on um, next Tuesday. We're going to be talking about console hacking. Uh, and so, yeah, join us then. Join us on Thursday at the Mini Hats Club. And we'll see you guys soon. Peace. Yeah.